Welcome to Radar for Growth, brought to you by business advisory firm Pitcher Partners. This podcast series talks to the key decision makers behind some of Australia's most successful private and family businesses. I'm Heather Dawson, and in this episode, Inheriting the Family Firm. Now, that's not always easy, as anyone in a family business knows, but it's what you do with it when you're suddenly in charge that counts. For Dale Kennedy of leading construction business Harris HMC, the weight of responsibility was huge. My family had really taken a chance on me. I was very young. All of the advice from you know accountants and lawyers and everyone else said, don't do it, just sell the business or retire or certainly don't um, hand it over to a, a 22-year-old. And they did. The year was 2006, although it would be another five years before Dale's father, Arthur, finally stepped back from the business that he had successfully run since the 1980s, building it up from a small commercial carpentry business to a multi-million dollar office fit-out business with tremendous reputation, in fact the go-to place in Melbourne for that line of work. By 2006, the company employed 50 people, turning over about $45 million a year and making inroads into construction work as well. That's what Dale inherited. Sounds great, doesn't it? But it wasn't all easy. Growth was taking its toll, staff turnover had increased, the company's reputation had taken a hit, and there was a lot of hard work ahead to get back on top. These days, company turnover is heading towards a whopping $250 million. How did that happen? A sharp focus on innovative thinking, the ability to problem-solve to keep ahead of the game, finding the right people for the right jobs, all have played their part. We'll find out from Dale about his strategies for growth, his mindset on company culture, how to treat customers and staff, and how he's moved the company into the top 1% of construction businesses in Australia. But let's go back to the start of Dale's leadership, when the hard work was still ahead – when both personal and business disasters collided and things weren't looking good. I remember the hardest year was 2011 when I took over my dad. He'd retired formally. My girlfriend had just passed away tragically and I'd started back at work and we'd won a few large projects and hired a sort of new calibre of staff to take on those projects and then they didn't start. The people started, but the projects didn't start. So we had these sort of huge costs with no revenue coming in. And at the same time, we had some debtor issues. Someone didn't pay us a million dollars. We started losing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with no end in sight, only getting worse. And that took a fair bit of positioning in your mind, I think. I was thinking, shit, I'm going to fail in my first year here taking over officially and everything my family had done and my father had worked towards would all be for nothing. And what helped me was to accept that as a possible scenario, accept the worst-case scenario, and then park it off to the side. So you're not worrying about it every day and night. You just sort of come to terms with it, put it aside, then work out, okay, what do I need to do? And then just focus your energy on that. And, you know, one by one, those things were turned around. That's Dale Kennedy looking back to earlier days. And it would have taken guts and a serious dose of level-headed perspective to work through those difficult times. 
And compounding it all was that changing of the guard issue. A different, much younger person was now in charge and a new regime was taking shape. How does Dale remember it? Yeah, there was some difficult times at the start. We had a lot of staff turnover and then we'd you know, our projects wouldn't be going well because our people had turned over and it was a bit of a vicious cycle. But we got through that and you definitely you have to earn your stripes and there was a lot of change happening. There were a lot of new people and managers that weren't there before and everyone missed my dad. He'd been running it and had the personal relationships for a long time and it was clear that that wasn't going to be there anymore. So that caused a lot of change. So we had to really work through that. But you got there. But we got there. One of Harris HMC's great mission statements, a mantra really, is we deliver. Dell says it's all about listening to customers and never letting them down. It's something that the company's held true to from the start and a lesson Dale learned from his father early on, which he recalls through a short but simple story of an incident years ago that he remembers to this day. Back when I was 12 or 13 years old, Dad was going to work on a Sunday night and he was checking in on a project that was handing over on the Monday morning. So I said, I'll come along. So he went there, and there were a lot of people still there, a lot of work still to be done. And after we'd finished going and talking to all the trades and seeing where everything was at, we started cleaning out the exit stairway because no one was doing that. And late into the night, the architects dropped past, must have been coming home from a dinner or, or something, And he said, what are you doing? And we told him, and he said, Arthur, this is my dad, he said, Arthur, I'm not after heroics, I just want the job done. And he left. And after that, I said to Dad, why don't we just go? That guy's an idiot. And he said, no, it's it's not about him. We're not doing it for a thanks. We're not doing it to make that guy happy. We're doing it because we said it would be done for Monday. So we have to do it. And that really stuck with me. I can still remember it to this day. And that's really what that We Listen, We Deliver is about. It's, it's about keeping your promises. That's, that's what we're about. And I think that's why we've been successful. Treating your customers well is one thing, but what about staff? And this too has been so important to Harris HMC's success. Dale's approach is very inclusive. Everyone counts, everyone plays an important role, because that's so often where the bright ideas come from. Dell describes it basically as being a big business with a small business culture. But what does that mean? It's about having a culture that's really centred around people. And I know that is cliche, but I think people can tell when you mean it. It's about being part of something, trying to achieve something as a group, belonging. A lot of businesses, I think, start out with that family feel and then they get larger and that family feel is replaced by red tape and systems and things that get in the way. We try and keep things as simple as we can, stick to our values and create that family feel. It's important to get the balance right and the growth comes from creating an environment where people have what they need to succeed. Really, you need to get out of the way. The ideas, they should come from the front lines, not from the back office. So giving people that sense and that empowerment, I think, is pretty important. So, an enlightened view about staff engagement, so important to the success and growth of Harris HMC. But at a practical level, what does that really mean? Especially as the business grows, more people come on board, more connections need to be made, and you've only got so many hours in the day. I asked Dale about his approach, which he describes as investing in people beyond the norm. What does that mean? 
You can do training courses and fun days and morning teas and we do all those sorts of things but I think it's more than that. Last night I had some drinks with our recent graduates, see how their experience was. Tomorrow I'm on a bus tour with our new starters so we get a bus, we get our new recruits, we hear from the finance team, marketing and safety, we go to our factory, see how all that works and go to a couple of our projects. Basically just spend a day getting to know each other and understanding the company. I really believe that everyone should understand what we do across the divisions and where we're going and feel part of the team when they start. So, I mean, that's something we do. We've got another program we call Reach 100, which I'm a big believer in goal setting. So everyone sets a personal goal as part of their performance reviews. And it could be anything. It could be paint your fence, quit smoking, or something really meaningful. And there's been examples of that where people have forgiven themselves for something or repaired a relationship with a family member. And and if they achieve that, they get $100. So it's just a nominal thing, but it's just to encourage people to set goals for themselves. And that's an example of investing in people beyond the norm. Yes, investing in people beyond the norm. And one of the great benefits of that, Dale says, is the return you get from staff who are prepared to speak up, make suggestions of how to improve things, share some innovative thinking, which Dale believes is critical if you don't want the business to be left behind. Innovative ideas come from the front line. We've already heard that. And it's management's responsibility to spread those ideas as far as possible. How do they do it? We do it with what we call top 1% teams. So these are teams of volunteers throughout the business that come together and meet at a frequency that they choose and work on workshopping new ideas. How do we do things better? And some of the ideas are really simple, like a new casing for a fire extinguisher on a site or if you take a ladder, you put a key ring with your name on it so someone knows where the 12-foot steps are or something like that. So there's simple things that come out, but that can save someone half an hour ringing around to find out who's got that letter. And then there's big things that get tackled, like how do we do overseas procurement better and create templates and checks and balances for things coming from overseas. So, yeah, I think it is critical. And and if you're not doing it, then you're going backwards. So these are things to do with processes that will make the wheels of Harris HMC work better. But I was also curious to know more about Dale's strategies around growth. That amazing growth we've heard about heading towards the $250 million mark. How has the company achieved it? And were there pivotal moments that contributed to that growth? As it turns out, there was one such pivotal moment, and it had an astonishing outcome. The one that stands out is when we were doing our business planning. It was almost 10 years ago now. But prior to that, I'd had set our plan, our five-year plan, and all of the general managers come up with the strategies and the actions to get there. And we'd been trying to get to $100 million for five years. So we started at 50, we wanted to get to 100 in five years. And we were stuck at 80 million. And then I changed up the process and said, let's do three years, because after five years, you're sick of it. So I said, let's do three years, and what do you think we can do? And I left it open. And at the end of those two days, we came away with wanting to get to 200 million within three years. And I was standing in the car park afterwards thinking, what have I done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Because we couldn't get to 105, how are we gonna to get to 203? But after 
the initial shock, I shook it off and, and said, well, I better get behind this and try and make it happen. And we did. We closed the third year at $190 million. And over a 12-month period in there, we'd done $206 million. It was just staggering. So in terms of pivotal moments, I think that that really stands out as a shift. But how did you do it? For us, that was like going to the moon. It was a big goal and we'd all set it together. So we worked out what the steps would be along the way, what we would need, how we'd go about it, and then we just went about doing it. We set our one, two and three year horizons. We broke those down into sprints of four months, so three sprints per year. And then each one of those would have actions around it and then we'd review that every month. This wasn't something that would sit in the bottom drawer. This was, and it still is, something we review every month. And I guess we held ourselves to it, but there really was that sense of togetherness around it and it really was like going to the moon. So when you have a goal that you believe in and that means something, it's really, really powerful. It's an amazing achievement. But here's the thing about growth. How do you maintain momentum and keep on growing year on year? Or even should you? Dale Kennedy has some clear views about maintaining growth, which he outlined for me so that I could better understand the pace of growth he was trying to achieve and why growth's important anyway. Firstly, I think growth is required to keep your staff challenged. So you need to be growing for that reason, to keep things interesting for everyone. But it's not something that you don't want to grow broke or you don't want to grow for growth's sake. So it needs to make sense. And... Also, when you experience these periods where you go from $80 million to $200 million in three years, there's a lot of change that comes with that. So you can get a bit fatigued. I think you need to have a pause every now and then. It might be three years up and two years across, something like that. And in those two years, you embed your new systems, you embed your new people, because a new position was created every week for three years. So that takes some getting used to. You might have moved all of these things. It is important, I think, to take a breath, get things right, and then go again. Because if you keep going without that backstop in place, you start letting people down, and that's the last thing you want to do. So growth is good, with breathers in between to allow the business to adjust. And we reckon going from 80 to $200 million in just three years would take a lot of adjusting too. But what if things went the other way? What if the business started failing? I asked Dale if failure was something that preoccupied him. But it seems not. His approach is humble and the threat of failure has an upside. Here's how Dale sees it. I'm constantly failing in small ways. You're a pretty harsh critic of yourself, or I am, and that pushes you to do better. Constantly look in the mirror and find ways that you can improve. In larger ways, we started a a workstation business. We ran that for a couple of years, found that it wasn't reliable enough to match our reputation. So we just cancelled it. You've got to try things, but if it's not working and despite your best endeavours, it doesn't work, then you just need to call it quits, I think. So yeah, there are failures. It's always on the radar because you're always challenging yourself. So challenging yourself and trying new things is important to keep the business dynamic and growing. But what about the associated risks? In other words, is Dale a risk taker? Apparently, I'm in the top 5% of risk takers, according to Financial Planner anyway. But I don't see myself as a risk taker. I mean, I do take risks in doing developments and, and so forth. But how you tackle those things and how you mitigate those risks and prove things out and how you manage it. 
So through close management, it doesn't feel like I'm taking exorbitant risks. I'm not flippant about things, but I do take calculated risks, I guess, yeah. Dale Kennedy has more than proved himself since he took to the helm of Harris HMC at the tender age of 27. Under his leadership, with the management team he's built around him, the staff he's nurtured and the customers he won't let down, Harris HMC has gone from strength to strength. These days, the company employs 250 staff, with turnover heading towards $250 million. Ambitious goal-setting, an acute focus on clients, and a genuine investment in its people has paid off in spades. So does he feel a sense of pride in what he's done? Perhaps, unsurprisingly, this smart, steady, modest businessman was keener to share the glory as he looked back over his achievements. It really is a group achievement. It's grown into something that was beyond what I ever even contemplated. And size has not really been a big driver for me. It really is becoming that special company. That's the main driver. And you do get sidetracked with your business plans and budgets and your day-to-day, but when it boils down, that's really the main driver for me. And I am proud of continuing the work that my dad did. And more than that, continuing it in the same way that he did because Harris was built on delivering your promises and that was just, that's him all over. And that's something that we still hold today and that's really meaningful for me. So here we are now. Delivering on its promise has delivered tremendous success to Harris HMC, propelling it towards the top 1% of construction companies in Australia, that dream that Dale spoke about earlier. But what does it really mean for Dale Kennedy to join that stratospheric group? Let's leave the final words of this podcast episode to Dale as he visualises the ultimate goal and the true meaning of success for Harris HMC. The top 1% by size, we're already there. But in terms of the work that we do, how our clients see us, the journey that they experience when they work with us, how our team see us, the dream for me is really to be one of those companies that seems magical It just gets everything right. Everyone's on board and engaged and the work that you do is brilliant and can't do a thing wrong. That's what I want us to be. Dale Kennedy, Harris HMC. And that ends this episode of Radar for Growth, brought to you by business advisory firm Pitcher Partners where we talk to the key decision makers behind some of Australia's most successful private and family businesses. Next, the determination of one woman to make a difference environmentally, and boy did she succeed, with the enormous growth of Keep Cup. Abigail Forsyth will tell us all about her drive for behavioural change and the mindset that helped her overcome the doubters. It was a huge gamble to try and drive behavioural change, but that was what really excited me about it. So we went to buy a product and just sell it in our stores, but couldn't find one that fitted under the group heads, that dosed the coffee correctly, that was easy to use, easy to clean. So we designed it. And then when we went to find manufacturers, we wanted to manufacture locally because it was a sustainability solution. And one fellow said to me, look, this is a crazy idea. It's a cup. What are you thinking? And he said, if you can't sell this off the prototype, forget about it. Because he said, I've got a million dollars worth of tools sitting on the shelf there of better ideas than yours, but people couldn't sell their product. And that really changed the way I thought about it. Abigail Forsyth, Keep Cup. But that's next time. Until then, I'm Heather Dawson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.
Radar for Growth is brought to you by business advisory firm Picture Partners. The podcast is marketed by Wavelength Creative and is produced by Sound Cartel.